Welcome to Courageous Conversations with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today. I'm an educator, I'm a lecturer, I'm an author, and uh, also the host of my very own show. And for two years, Mike and I have been having these type of conversations coast to coast and around the world. And with that all being said, what we find very fascinating is that people are really enamored with who Mike is, what he's been, and what really led him to who he's become. Not so much for who he was in the ring, but really what led him to the development and rise of who he is outside the ring. So in all that time that we spent in interviewing him and being in front of cameras, and there's people in this room that have been a part of those processes and those experiences, we began to see something emerge that was very, well, quite unique, and that there was a, a real teacher in Mike. He, he wanted to give back. He wanted to uh, share with others his insights, share with others where his form of wisdom came from, where his experience was. But most importantly, <coughs> most importantly, he wanted to really honor the spirit and the magic and the power of Custom Auto, his mentor. And so that took us into your living room. It took us into studios. It took us into hotels. It then found us in a gym, uh, tacos to be exact. So here we were in Tacos, Las Vegas. For those who don't know, and if you're a historical buff, you'll appreciate this. Tacos is where I mean Sonny Liston trained. It's where Muhammad Ali trained. It's where Iron Mike Tyson trained. So as we're in this gym, of course, there's a very different inspiration that goes on. And as we're doing what we're doing, I began to find myself not just as a fan, not just as a student, not just as an admirer of the sport and all that it does, but I began to realize that there's something here that people could learn if, in fact, in the midst of Mike. So I said, Mike, is there any chance we can actually maybe, you know, get in the ring and you can show me a few moves? And as soon as I started showing him some of my moves, the ones that are proprietary to me, my style, yeah. he giggled. <laughs> he, he laughed and laughed and laughed. And then he laughed some more. Um, he sent me an email saying he was laughing. He was just, he laughed at me. And, and I said, but that's just the reality. People don't know how to fight like Mike. They don't know how to defend like Mike. And so here we are in a gym as a backdrop and as a metaphor, with no pressure. This is a test pilot conversation. On first starting this discussion, which is Mike Tyson, when you think about what made you who you are, if we were to start really reverse engineering who you are, where would you want to start? Would it be with cuss? Would it be with mentorship? Would it be with the coaching, the training, your discipline? Where would you start that conversation? Uh, my mentorship, my mentor. Your mentorship, with cuss? Yes. Absolutely. Now tell us a bit about what Cus meant to you with our friends here. He was like a father figure. Um, he adopted me when I was 12 years old. And um, discipline and dedication with our own me our whole total method. Unbelievable. Well, you know, who here, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Custom Auto, but for, for me, when you hear of Custom Auto, you hear of a boxing trainer, you hear of a, a really old, stodgy, Italian, stubborn man. You, you, you've probably heard stories about just what he's done and stuff. Um, but what did he mean to you in particular? You say father figure, what more? I knew he was, um, as a father figure and as a son figure, he wanted me to be champ of the world, heavyweight champion, just to be, to be in that position to be his son. I wanted to make it, oh, everybody else, they wanted to make their father happy. And I wanted to make him happy and be a champ. 
So um, I don't mind sharing this with everybody here because these are friends of the firm, if it were. Um, anytime and every time we talk about cuss, I, I can always see and always feel that he's welting up about cuss, you know. And this is a bit of a, a real true uh, tribute to cuss, if it were. But but as we move on about mentorship, you know, he understands. You know, he's a trainer. He understands. We have a good mentor. Not like it's everything. It's everything. When we when we talk about um, look, we're all just fascinated with just what made Mike Mike. So we are talking about Cuss. We're talking about Camille. Um, we know he was like a father figure. Um, when you began to train and when you began to build yourself up as a boxing champion of of tomorrow. What were some of the things that were real obstacles for you when you were training? What was what was hard for you to get in the, the ring? The most difficult thing was discipline. Just um, I always wanted to be out with the other kids. I knew I never went to school dances, so I wanted to go out to school dances. And I knew um, if I was to separate myself from that, one day I'd be champion. I know it sounds so mundane, but it's true. But it's also true that you didn't believe you'd become a champion. You only heard Cus saying that you were going to be the champion, and that was a very difficult thing for you to believe, wasn't it? Well, he sold it to me. He sold it to me. So, um, you know, it's very difficult to believe. But, you know, it's just it's what I was born to do. Yeah. No, you were born to do it. Absolutely. Built for it, by the way. But, um, and, and I don't know for you, but for me, anytime I see him getting emotional, I get emotional because, you know, I didn't know Cuss, but I can only imagine what a mentor meant. I can't believe him. Incredible. So if he was here, what would you want him to know? Um... This guy is so charismatic. What he could do, he could eat a pizza and make it like, this is the best pizza ever. I've been all over the world, but this pizza right here is the best pizza in the world. And make a pizza a superstar. And um, that's the kind of guy he was. He's the kind of guy that gave you a lot of compliments and gave you a lot of um, cliches to yourself. And um, he, he really made a little insecure kid a world champion. And I was really insecure when I met him. Really young and insecure, 12 years old. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say you were, you were an insecure kid who had a real great swing, and he saw the talent, the skill set, but he also saw that he had an opportunity to contribute by being able to build you up. Would you not agree? 100%. 100%. And I think that's what's important about what it is that we're not just doing with uh, Fight for Youth, but also some other initiatives that we got going on. I'm looking around for less. I don't know where you just went, but, but the, the reality is that um, boxing is not just a sport. It, it's, it's not just something to be comp competitive in. It's something actually that is a great avenue for people to discover a truer Well, well there were a lot of fighters in the gym. Everybody was in there to become champion. People were there to champion themselves, to overcome themselves. And that's what boxing is a metaphor for life because, you know, you have to take these punches in life. No, absolutely. It's whoever you are. So you're off the street, you're insecure, Cuss is selling you to be the best tasting pizza in the world, if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. And uh, best, my, the best piece of pizza ever in the world, right? That's what you would say. Word off the corner store. <laughs> That's right, you just bought down the street. As you're beginning to build up and train then, uh, tell me what, what was it like for you now to in fact be in the ring, be an be a actual professional boxer? I don't know, it was about being supremely confident and um, I really believed in myself and I had a really um, somewhat of pride, if you could say, and I just believed I was the best in the world. You didn't? Was I there didn't, a no, I did believe I was You did believe it. Okay, great. And, and that confidence, was that the most important part of you being a boxer? Absolutely. Confidence, um, there's nothing that supersedes confidence. Confidence superseded genius. Mm. Now, now, for those who study you and know that you studied the sport, what did you do a lot of when it came to studying greats 
and understanding what their plays and, and makes and moves were all about. I studied with people, who they were and where they came from and how they developed certain style because everybody's different in all aspects. Right. Well, when it comes to understanding their different aspects, would you watch footage? Was it that you studied the books? Did you interview boxers? Well, I met a lot, I met a lot of the great fighters and also watched them on tape. So who did you model yourself after? Most like Jack Dempsey, Sonny Liston. And what was it about Liston that you liked the most before I get to Dempsey? It was just very um, aggressive fighters. Anyone notice that he was an aggressive boxer by chance, in case you missed a few of his rounds? Um, and, and that brings me to a good point. A lot of people would wonder, was your aggression a part of your style or was it a part of an anger? Was it a part of an unbridled enthusiasm? Well, it was more part of a technique, if anything. Ah. So tell me more about that. Because if I'm aggressive, I'm coming forward. The guy's throwing punches, I'm going to get hit with the punches. So the objective is to come forward and not get hit with the punches, to move your head and counter back. And that was it? Yeah. You always said that, uh, you know, what's the best way to box? And you said, just don't get hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but you also said that, you know, everyone's got a great laid plan until they get punched in the face. Well, that was just talk. Everybody else is making that a big thing now. But that's a great segue to the next conversation. How, how much of boxing back then and even today is really uh, entertainment? Is, uh, is, is really truly fanfare? Well, it has to be real. Of course, it has to be real. But you have to have entertainment to bring the guys, you know. Anybody can say, hey, I'm Big Mike, I'm Big John, it's going to ring him. That's not going to draw the people to the seats. No, that's not going to. And, and do you feel that might be missing in uh, boxing today, given what's going on? Well, um, there's a new guy out called Joshua Coley from England, and you know he might change boxing. And why do you say that? What's it about him that's changing boxing the way we uh, the way we know it? And he got the look. He's big. He's strong, and he knocks out people. And that's what people want. People don't want guys to run around for twelve or fifteen rounds. No, that's not what they want. They want guys to really do damage to other guys. Well, well as a fan of yours for a lot of years, I got to say we we also didn't appreciate the thirteen second knockouts either. You know, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, all the family we had to fly down and check into a hotel and put. That's good stuff, man. It was good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. You know, before we get into uh, sort of a, uh, a conversation about some of your techniques, like literally showing our friends what some of your techniques would be, what would you say right now, as you're an author, you're about to come up with a new book, um, tell us about the process. The, the, the one-man show, it looks to me as it was the, uh, a tipping point for you of going into the world you're in now. That one-man show led to the development of books and stuff. Hey, listen. Um I don't know what made me do that show. I saw Chad Parmentary do a show, and I told my wife that we can do this, and she signed for two, for, for two weeks we were reading and writing, and the sixth week we got this show. It was a success. It was a huge success. You know, Spike Lee uh, played a very important role, um, being uh, the director. Um, for those who've seen it, I know there's a lots of accolades and um, awards and such. That's really good stuff. Really good, good stuff. How much of that, though, was therapeutic for you in telling your story and, and sharing much of what's gone on, not just about your mentor, but just even some of your life journey? Not too therapeutic. It's just with um, Mike Tyson doing Mike Tyson the best he possibly can. I was objective. I never get too personal. What's your favorite part about doing the one-man show? 
Well, my fight with Mitch Green was pretty good. <laughs> so why don't you share with our friends, because many, I'm going to assume people aren't, uh, aren't familiar with that story, but can you tell us a story about when you, when you actually uh, bumped into Mitch Green, apparently? Would you mind? Well, I was happy to go to a place that stays open overnight called Dapper Dan. He makes really fine, nice little jiggy suits for you. And I happened to go there, and Mitch Green happened to be there. So he started calling me Cicely Tyson and all these, you know, <laughs> Miss Tyson and all these really bad words and stuff. And so I hit Mr. Green. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, a little. Now that's not the entire story, though. Well, I got in trouble, too. <laughs> I got in trouble. Mr. Green sued me because I hit him. And I wind up giving him 100,000 bucks. Yes, yeah. I did. That was an expensive suit. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't well, give him more. <laughs> now, the, the story I heard was, uh, and I don't know if this was you that told me, but you, you actually didn't want to fight with him in the store. Well, I didn't want to fight, but I had no choice. He called me Cicely Tyson and Miss This and Miss That, and you Cicely and you're a bitch, and he's calling me all these names. I had no other choice, guys. <laughs> she had to be the aggressor. I, I tried to defend myself. So he ends up from inside the store to on top of a car. Is that not true? Yeah. It's an old story now. Un under the car. <laughs> now, I know about you, but that, if you're under a car, that's not looking good. That's not a good fight to be in. That's for sure. It's funny. But all the stories in your one-man show has really led to the, I think, the recalibration of your brand, the relevance of who you are. Absolutely. I think people are now fascinated with the fact that you're telling your story your way, with your words, the way you want it to be told. And, and I think people are really appreciating that you're coming out and telling people what it was to be in the ring and outside the ring, raising families, um, rising above broken homes and the likes. Um, and I think, I think we want to give you a round of applause for that. I think that's yeah. really, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So now, so now, um, you know, before we get to get to the next component of what we want to do here with our friends today, um, you know, now you're broadening your brand into the world of uh, building your own gyms. Uh, you're in the business world. You're in movies. Of all those things, what do you enjoy most doing? Live entertainment. Live entertainment. And this is live entertainment. We're gonna have to turn it up a little bit soon. Okay. That's okay. So, and of the live entertainment, and when you do that, I've watched you with fans. Do you, do, you, do you find yourself in awe of how big your fan base has grown, even young and, and old? Do you notice it? Well, the people that know me now from my cartoon and um, Mr. Hangover, the Hangover movie, don't know my boxing career. Right, right. For those who don't know the story about the Hangover, you know, in talking with Mike, um, you know, he has a, he's the ambassador to the uh, energy drink called Black Energy. And I've got to qualify this because these are our friends. It's not for black people. It's, it's actually called Black Energy. It's an energy drink uh, available to all races, by the way. But in Poland, what was interesting is that's where this brand was built and based. And their largest fan base was born out of a fan base that was following The Hangover. So how important was that franchise and that film for you and your career? It was pretty, um, it was pretty handy. It was pretty handy. Yeah. And um, as you move on, you've got a new book coming out. What's it called? Iron Ambition. Iron Ambition. You, you, you're you're going to be going on a book tour at the end of the month. Yes. And uh, it's an exciting time. And, and you're going to actually start the book tour in Brooklyn. 
Yeah, but I hate the book tour, really, because the book tour, people asking questions, and sometimes you might have to cry, then you get mad that you're crying and stuff. Oh, man, that's a book tour. The book tour is pretty difficult. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, um, but this book's different from um, The Undisputed Truth. And what I liked about having seen the manuscript, that this book is different than your life story, than what made Iron Mike Tyson Iron Mike. This one's about sort of the codification of, of what's made you so great. Can you tell us more about the new book? Well, to everybody else, it's me talking about this old guy that adopted me and he took a kid off the street to become the heavyweight champ of the world. But to, him, but to me, it's me talking about my father and that's painful. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of different sometimes. I get it, I get it. Well, if it's any consolation before we go to the next phase of this conversation, um, you know, that's why we want to put together the confidence camp. Um, I believe, and I think it's uh, the Tyson's family belief, that by being able to bring out the very things that Cus taught him and teach it to people, teach people what it was to be disciplined, committed, to have a plan, to be in action, and to constantly monitor, right, the quality of your actions to make sure that you're always on course. And uh, I think that's good old-fashioned, you know, mic mentorship. Would you not agree? Well, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I like this stuff. Um, okay, so here's what we'll, I want to do. A lot of people, before we came into the session, they, they want to know a couple of things. And, and we might, in fact, uh, would, can I invite you inside of the ring? Can we do that? Can we give this guy a round of applause, get him, get him into the ring? Maybe let's get in the ring. Come on. Thanks for tuning in to Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode. And remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available. Because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.